Well, hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 247, John and Paul present the HR Marks. I'm your host, John. And I'm Paul. John, how's it going? Paul, I'm well. It's great to be back here again with you, my friend. Thanks. I'm excited to be here and thankful to you and Wendy, as always, for allowing me to step in on this special episode. You know, we're at the beginning of December. Speaking of being thankful, I want to take a moment to thank Mike Sipple Jr. and our friends over at Talent Magnet Institute for sponsoring this last month of the podcast. Mike's been a great friend to the show and to our community at large. Really glad to have them back for this last round of episodes. Thanks to Mike. You're going to hear more about him throughout the month. Now, some of you wonder, may be wondering what's going on. We just had the pop culture show come out at Thanksgiving, and now Paul and I are back together again with a special guest to talk a little bit more HR and wrestling. And part of that is because, I, and I'll be perfectly honest, as the guy that sets the calendar, I made a mistake in the calendar. <laughs> so we had a date open. Wendy had the week off. For those of you that maybe aren't up to date, Paul and I were got together at episode 221, which was, gosh, Paul, I guess in May or so. Talked shop, but we also talked about wrestling. We talked a lot of wrestling. It was a tremendous amount of fun. I got more feedback on that show. I was surprised. I don't know about you, if you anybody said anything to you about it, but got got a bit of feedback, very positive, because uh, <laughs> I think it was a little different. But as we got to the end and I had this extra date in the book, I, I reached out to Paul and I said, Paul, let's get another guest on. Let's talk about what we enjoy talking about. And And so here we are. Yeah, no, I couldn't wait to be back here again. I was super excited that you said, "Hey, let's uh, do this again." And I had some of, uh, you know, some of the HR community and my friends tell me about it, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm not a wrestling fan. I, I think I know Hulk Hogan, but it was a very interesting conversation." Really excited to welcome back Chris Hadley to the show. Right, Chris, you're one of the HR marks with John and me here. Uh, I guess the first question is always, "What's in your glass?" Today, as usual, sticking with the water, but I also am going double drinks. I uh, came across this one just on chance on Friday and saw it and thought this is perfect for the episode and all things considered. It's a Flying Dog Deep Fake IPA. Had to pick that up and, like I said, of course, the classic water. Chris, I'm really glad you're able to join us to have this conversation. We're going to talk a little shop about you before we get into the wrestling stuff. We had you on episode 178 which was July of 2021. What have you been up to since then? So, I mean, it feels more like it was 2011, not 2021. And maybe it's the whole COVID factor speeding things up these last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, a lot has changed. Uh, big major ones as far as changes. Um, shortly after that, uh, landed, in essence, my dream job. Um, I'm now the HR director for Choices in Community Living. It has been nothing but just pure awesomeness and exceeded expectations and just loving every minute of it. May of this year, unfortunately, our uh, my grandpa Scott passed away, which we kind of saw coming. Uh, still, real, real big kick in the gut, but it was also a kick in the butt too. One of the great things uh, that has come from it is just hearing all those stories of the impact that he had on the community and everything that he's done. And here locally, he's known as Mr. Beaver Creek for all the things that he's done. So uh, it's helped me get more involved in the community. I've joined the Beaver Creek Rotary, which he ironically helped charter currently sitting as their club engagement officer uh just recently joined the miami valley hr association and we got kind of some stuff working in the background for more things coming from there and then uh most importantly uh for those who 
may not be connected with me or living under a rock. My wife and I, more my wife, less me, brought our son Elias into the world in September. So it's nothing but great things so far. That's awesome to hear, especially bringing the little ones into the world. Hopefully you're getting a lot of sleep, but when you're not getting a lot of sleep, you might be watching wrestling to try and help uh, help you out with that, right? John asked me this question on the last episode of the HR Marks, so I could not pass up the opportunity to ask you, how did you get into pro wrestling? You know, honestly, I don't know. It was <laughs> one, one of those things. Um, Thanks for being just, honest. <laughs> hey. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just part of being a boy growing up in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I don't know what prompted getting into it, but I have vivid memories of wrestling figures and G.I. Joes and Thundercats and just all of that. All kinds of memories back then with the wrestling figures and the rings and the matches my brother and I would have. Tons of memories there. Don't know where it started from. Did take kind of a little hiatus after the whole Attitude Era thing when kind of stalled out. My son, about five, six years ago, brought me back into it because he got into it and started catching up. And it was good storylines, good entertainment. And then now um, my nephews are huge into it. And even my work, we have uh, some of the clients that we serve. Um, they went to a local match last month and had the time of their lives. So it's just everything's coming around full circle as far as uh, how I'm getting involved with wrestling. I did see that video and it was phenomenal. Can you talk a little bit about to your job now and, and the company that you work for? Talk a little bit about that and why that was special. Because people will be like, well, a bunch of people went to a wrestling show. Why is that? Maybe explain that a little bit. Just kind of a quick backstory. Uh, the company I work for, we service adults with developmental disabilities. They are people just like anybody else. They have hobbies. They have interests. They work. They go to shows. They go to concerts. I mean, they do things that all of us would do. I went to a uh, Saturday night match that was here um, in Dayton, Ohio. And um, lo and behold, one of our program directors took six of our clients there. They had way better seats than I did, and they had the time of their life. One of them got a fist bump from Bobby Lashley and was ecstatic wow. about it, swore he wasn't going to wash his hand ever again and had to be talked into, you know, washing hands <laughs> is important, but, you know, <laughs> you, you can at least wait to wash your hands. Speaking with that director later next week and hearing how just ecstatic these guys were and they were having the time of their lives. And I was like, you know what? Uh, we got to get that on video. It's awesome that they have a passion, but just the joy and excitement that came from that. We have a um, social media company that we work with, John Sophie's Media, that came out to us, did all the interviewing, the editing, uh, which, John, I'm sure you can appreciate a real good edit job with video and audio and tying everything together. And the end product was awesome, just seeing them tell their side of the story from the event and just how much fun they had seeing some good old-fashioned wrestling. I'll try to find a link to that, or maybe you can send it to me and we can share it in there, because it was really cool. I, and I, I got a real kick out of that. Didn't even register that you might have been at that same show, but I knew it was going on. <laughs> it's really fantastic stuff. It's nice that you found this job that can tie some passions or interests into it, too. You're watching the current product. We're watching some current product. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit, some of the more current events. Who are some of your favorite performers, either wrestlers? personalities, managers, go back into that 80s, 90s time, or even now, like, who are you really into? Paul and I did our top five. What's your top five? The the whole Attitude Era was legendary. I mean, that is just on a pedestal of its own. Everything that came from it and the resurgence of wrestling from uh, the WWE standpoint and how it brought it back. 
and I can only imagine I was not one of them, but just how many kids during that area got in trouble or detention and suspensions from just those catchphrases and iconic gestures that came from that attitude era. I mean, that will never be recreated, can't be touched. If I were to do a top five, um, I'm a huge fan of people who can just bring it on the microphone. Rock is up there. Obviously, Stone Cold and their uh, big feud. Been a big fan of The Miz for a long time, just the way that he can go from face to heel and manipulate and be loved and hated and just bouncing back and forth. MJF, who is just taking off recently, both in the ring and on the mic, um, what he's doing is kind of a once in a lifetime spectacle. And then if I had to add a fifth, I'd go Paul Heyman, just with how constant he's been good on the microphone, both in the ring and out of the ring. You have uh, quite a swath of, I think, generations there. Going off of that, so like MJF and Paul Heyman, and, and The Miz is still around. So these folks that are still kicking it in the industry, what are you enjoying most of these days? Whether it's promotion, storyline matches? Yeah, so it's more AEW, less WWE. I think we can all can agree the product WWE's kind of been putting out recently has just kind of been not up to par and you have AEW who's kind of coming on the era and they are kind of bringing that attitude era vibe and edge and just really pushing the envelope with some of the promos and what they're putting out there. Now, obviously the whole Vince issues that uh, happened with WWE probably played a part. And now you have triple H taking over and you know, a little bit of a better product. So it'll be interesting to see what comes from that. Been really digging what AEW has been putting out and uh, just, a lot of the uh, people that they're bringing up and kind of like the surprises that they bring in through the uh, pay-per-views. When you're talking about your top five and you mentioned heels and faces, we talked about this last time, Paul, for those that maybe weren't with us for the last conversation or maybe not remember, we talk about faces. We're talking about baby faces, good guys you want to cheer for as opposed to heels, which are bad guys, people you want to boo. Interestingly enough, I was teaching in the nineties and I had those kids doing the generation <laughs> X chop the new age outlaws suck it and that kind of stuff. I guess I have a little different perspective than you guys, (laughs) but one of the interesting things talked about storytelling, how wrestling so much of it, while it it happens in the ring, there are these storylines that are going on outside. And so much of it is told in either vignettes or people just talking on the mic. I think one of the things that is kind of confounding for me with AEW, sometimes they almost don't want to have heels and faces to me outside observer, it just kills the storytelling because if you think about it, good and evil goes back biblically, Cain and Abel, right? And you think about you know stories, great stories, good guys, bad guys. It seems like, you know, an MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, for those of you that aren't familiar with him, 25 years old, maybe 26, generational talent, particularly as someone on the mic, the best heel in the business, I think in the business these days. He can out-talk anybody other than Paul Heyman, who is three times his age or twice his age. What do you guys think about that? Or does that, particularly for you, Paul, because I know you really, really like AEW a lot. Does that hit you the same way? Do you sometimes get frustrated with that? Or is it like, no, man, it's just the matches and I really like the performance there? I think that's an interesting uh, perspective for sure. It does tie into last night. We recorded it like right after uh, the full gear pay-per-view that AEW just had. And the main event was MJF versus John Moxley. And John Moxley sort of has this anti-hero persona. 
The match was held in New Jersey, which is just right outside of where MJF is from. So there's always that hometown aspect. Even if you're a heel, you're still kind of beloved in your home hometown. So Moxley kind of knew that going into it. So there were points during the match, even though he was the quote-unquote face, according to the story, where he was acting very much like a heel. And MJF, even though he's the heel, according to the story, he was very much acting like a face. And even with the lead-up to the match, he was sort of teasing, like, in professional, what they call a turn, where you go from a heel, where you go from a bad guy to a good guy, or back and forth. He was teasing that he was going to turn face. Of course he didn't, because... That's just who he is, and he that's can't. part of his character, <laughs> and he can't. He shouldn't. There is a little bit of that. I've never found it as distracting from the story, per se, because I guess with AEW, too, I, I focus on the in-ring product. I love the high-flying matches, those type of things, but I know, to, to your point, John, there is something to say for if you're not doing the high-flying acrobatic type stuff, you have to have that build-up that tension in the ring and that good heel versus that good face does that. I'm a really big fan of MJF as well. That guy lives that character no matter where he is. People, particularly if you don't know who he is or what he's about, I'll give you an example. There's a video and there are a lot of videos of MJF out there. There's one of him at a convention. People are giving him money to sign things and he just like throws it at him. This guy who is visibly disabled in a wheelchair rolls up and says something to him, and he's like, well, you know what I can do that you can't? I can stand up. Now, the guy in the wheelchair is dying laughing. Now, if you don't know, or if you look at it out of context, you're like, this guy's a jerk. He does that all the time. What I do appreciate that, again, as somebody that watching Memphis Wrestling as a kid, those people live that. The good guys and the bad guys, you didn't know that they may have hung out afterward. If they got caught hanging out, they got in trouble. Some of these folks that went out and carousing after a show, if they got beat up by a civilian, they got fired. They couldn't stay in the territory. (laughs) One of the reasons I really like MJF is that he's constantly this jerk, no matter what he's doing. Chris, when it comes to that storytelling or the the good and evil stuff, are you with Paul? Is it more about the in-ring piece or is that, do you think about that too? Yeah, so I'm there with Paul. So the, what you see in the ring, AEW, they're, besides MJF, there isn't someone who has that line drawn and says, I am a heel or I am face. They play in that gray area where they could be, they could not be, they could be like, they might not be like, it's just really, it's weird to see kind of to your point growing up, you knew who was the bad guy. You knew who was the good person. You knew when they battled, it was going to be good versus evil. And then that's when, like when you had those turns, it was just, you were blown away. Like you never expected bad guy becoming good, good becoming bad. It was set in their ways. Like you said, MJF, I mean, in the ring, off the ring, on Twitter, I mean, everywhere. He is just that guy. I saw that same video, and even I was like, knowing who he is and how he acts, I'm like, holy cow, that is just, you don't expect that, but he, that that's just him. I want to say it's refreshing because it brings that just that edge to it to where it's not, you know, they're staying within the lines. They're being very PG. It gives that edge and that kind of excitement because you don't know what he's going to do or what he's going to say or who he's going to say it to. It's fun to sit back. And I, I try to watch a little bit of all the product 
we're going to talk more about some of the HR stuff behind the scenes here in a few minutes. But it is interesting to see just how different the promotions are. The two We're talking primarily the two big promotions here in the United States with WWE and AEW. Their products are so very, very different. I can totally see how people get attracted to one or the other. I try to appreciate it all. Like I said, for me, sometimes it's if you're trying to do long-term storytelling, which I think MJF, that story of him becoming the world champion has taken two years. I think he's one of the first homegrown, for lack of a better word, performers in AEW to become the world champion. Everybody else has kind of come from somewhere else or was known for somewhere else. Here is this person who, if they play their cards right, they will have him for a long time (laughs) at a very, very high level. At some point, I know he will turn good or people will see him as good, but I hope he continues this shtick. Personally, it entertains me. I think he's as good as anybody out there right now. For those who aren't listening or who are listening that aren't wrestling fans, he's not a real jerk in real life. He's actually from just to give some perspective. He's actually, if you read up on him, a super sweetheart guy takes his business to that next level. And think of it like you're trying to become the best coach that you can at your business through the HR lens. That's how he feels about it. Trying to be the best wrestler that he can and pay homage to all those acts that came before him, like Roddy Roddy Piper, who he really, really likes, and Ric Flair, and even going back to, like, Gorgeous George. I said several times, like, he's a practitioner. He studies film. He lives, breeds film. You can see it. You can hear it. I mean, there's he makes a lot of references that you're like, I've heard that before. And then you do a little dig, and you're like, oh, that came from, insert name of previous wrestler, previous generation, to your point. I mean, he definitely puts the work in. He knows the game. He knows the history. And like what John said, generational talent. With that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Mike Sipple Jr., your friend from talentmagnet.com. On behalf of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast community, John and Wendy, we want to thank you. Thank you for leading well. Thank you for bringing all of the fellow guests sponsors, listeners, and creating this amazing international network. You have truly lived out your mission to connect, give back, and network. As a sponsor of this month, I want to welcome everyone to check out talentmagnet.com backslash HR social hour for a giveaway that is intended for you and your team. John and Wendy, thank you again. We salute you for your leadership, your mission, and your vision to bring this international community together. Thank you so much. And we are back. This is the part of the show where we're going to tie in what we do as practitioners and HR professionals into real-world situations that have occurred this year. Interestingly enough, after Paul and I recorded back in the spring, a couple things came to pass that were Really big deals in the media. Some people maybe that aren't even following professional wrestling probably saw some of these stories. Paul, why don't you share the first one and and we'll talk a little bit about what the outcomes were and and what did we do to apply ourselves to that. Vince McMahon might be as close to a household name uh, as there could be in the the wrestling business. Real quick for those that are non-marks like John and uh, Chris and I. Vince McMahon, he's probably one of the most powerful and influential people or used to be in professional wrestling history. So like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Rowdy Wright Piper, Stone Cold Rock. These wrestlers wouldn't be household names without Vince McMahon. He bought WWF, now WWE, from his dad in the early 80s, sometime in there. 
and really took it from a regional aspect to a national and eventually a worldwide powerhouse that it is today. With power comes temptation, and Vince's biggest temptation apparently was extramarital affairs, which he had been accused of for decades, but was finally caught recently paying off a former secretary upwards of $10 million from the WWE coffers, which is very illegal, uh, on top of immoral and all those other things. So he paid this former secretary to stay quiet about the affair, and upon investigation, more women started coming forward, including former wrestlers, about how Vince McMahon was very predatory and really opened up gates for even his cronies to, to do these sites of things. From the HR lenses, Chris, what should we be concerned with and what should we learn from this story? Not the most ideal situation. Something that I'm not a fan of. Obviously, a lot of people wouldn't be a fan of this. The big thing is, uh, just like any of other situations like this, the cover-up is always worse than the act. 99.9% of the time, whatever you try to cover up, it's eventually going to come out. Whether purposely, on accident, it's going to surface and it's just going to be a hundred times more worse than the initial act. So when this started coming to light, my first thought was, okay, this is wrestling. This is a storyline. They are just trying to compete with AEW, try to throw something out there, get attention. As the more and more information came out and the more women came out, then you're like, okay, well, this is obviously something way more serious. And to your point, us as HR practitioners, these are the kind of situations that we deal with to where something like this comes up and it is just a full out investigation, assuming you're a good HR practitioner, not a, uh, a lousy one. I mean, you're hearing all these stories, you have different people, different size, different spins, and it's just, you know, digging in there and trying to differentiate what happened, what didn't happen, what's the truth, what's not the truth, who's all involved, and then also being cautious of all that information to where it doesn't get out into the public because that's the biggest kill of any investigation is if you're trying to keep things under wraps as you're trying to do all your fact-finding, that gets out, and then now you just have a whole whirlwind of things coming at you and misguided storylines and accusations. It just makes your job way worse, so unfortunate that for all of those years that's what was going on behind the scenes ironically it reminds me of we hear all those companies that promote and push their culture and they have great culture and this great place to work at and you get in there and it's the complete opposite but they have the ping pong table and the pool table and casual fridays and pizza parties and all these things but working there is just terrible i mean we look at wwe They've been very, very successful, but it's, it's not the job for everybody, excluding the horrible things that was going on behind the scenes. We hear the stories, the wrestlers getting in there and just not having a great time. They're not enjoying the actual culture of the company. I think we'll talk a little bit about this later, the difference between them and AEW being employee W-2 workers and 1099 contractors and all that and how that plays a part. Yeah, I, I would assume WWE's turnover rate is exceptionally high. We don't hear about that because they have all those wrestlers coming up through the pipelines that they may be getting a shot or look at really don't fizzle through, especially with those dark shows. You have like those, the jobbers coming in and performing. And um, we know there has been some jobbers that became very successful and other, most of them, not so much. Definitely would not be an ideal workplace uh, from the employee standpoint, doing this kind of investigation on uh, Vince McMahon. 
I can only imagine just all the things that hadn't got out to the press that were going on on top of what we do know. I think we ought to put some context to it as well. How this stuff started coming to light is pretty interesting in that it was a friend of the young woman that had been paid off, signed an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement, a confidentiality agreement, got paid. The friend contacted the shareholders and said, do you guys know what's going on? And by the way, Vince McMahon is basically funneling the money through WWE, which I've still never really wrapped my head around. Vince is a millionaire, 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 multimillionaire over times over. Why he put it through to where now WWE had to adjust their financial statements back to 2019, I believe it was. That, that's really serious stuff. Frustrating thing in there, you know, you said a minute ago, Chris, is it good HR or bad HR? I remember somebody sent me a job posting for WWE in the last couple of years. And I was like, there's no way I'd want to do that because I think that you've got the in-ring performers or 1099 independent contractors. In the past, they didn't get anything other than what they got paid. Now, I think they help, particularly because of some of the issues in the 80s and 90s with steroids and drugs and those kind of things, helping people try to get clean. They don't have anything else. I can't imagine being in the office and the pressure as a corporate employee there either, because let's face it, this is a business that has changed so much. Just like when Paul and I talked about the fact our favorite wrestlers, they're humans. They make mistakes. They're not necessarily good people. I think the three of us would agree. Vince McMahon is not a good human being. He, yeah. he provided a product that's brought us joy over the years. He made his money off the backs of people, literally off the backs of people that he didn't necessarily take in kind. The investigation piece is really important. Here, it's so much is, is it morally wrong as opposed to illegal? That's where it gets so messy. And, you know, let's face it, I think we'd all agree. We, we don't want to see our leaders having appropriate relationships with subordinates. All of a sudden, they're doubling this young lady's salary at one point. It, from an HR perspective, why, Paul, I don't know about you. If I saw that and say, hey, why did we just double this person's salary? What kind of performance review must they have gotten? <laughs> You're hitting the nail on the head. What popped in my head during this conversation is similarly all the stuff that's going on with Twitter right now, right? With Elon Musk. And while he's through his businesses probably brought a lot of good into the world in some aspects, uh, he's not a likable person or a good person. And Vince McMahon for those that may or may not know, he was found innocent when he probably shouldn't have been found innocent in the early 90s during a huge steroid scandal where he was actively requiring his uh, wrestlers or if not outright requiring, you know, under the table, giving them steroids because one of his biggest things was always he wanted the biggest, beefiest, hulkiest dudes. And that's what he thought made him money. He was uh, found uh, not guilty even though he probably should have been. So he's been a bad dude his entire life, quite frankly. So it just kind of reminded me a little bit of all the stuff going on at Twitter and, and how even visionaries and, and people who are incredibly successful and powerful doesn't mean that they're good people. And if you're in that situation as a practitioner, you want to be thoughtful, direct in your approach. And let's face it, it'd be incredibly challenging to go to someone of a level of a Vince McMahon and address that issue. That's somebody's role in that organization is to do that. It's kind of sad to think, though, that multiple people are abused or mistreated and things happen that they just literally just stroke checks and they go away because you don't know what the long-term effects are and the emotional damage that necessarily goes on. Money doesn't fix those things. 
easily, if at all. Interestingly enough, for those of you that aren't aware, Vince McMahon started as an announcer and then in the 90s became a character in the show. Mr. McMahon, the mean corporate guy, was a performer for many years on camera. All of a sudden, they say, oh, we're having this investigation. He makes like one more appearance. And the fans went crazy cheering him. What an indictment of of us collectively. It's like the Roman Coliseum, right? You cheer the violence and the gore. And unfortunately, kayfabe, which is a, a wrestling term meaning the story, kind of blends with reality. And you, you lose sight. And I think maybe we've been conditioned that Mr. McMahon is a, he's a character when this actually was probably him blending his real life into the storyline all this time. I think many of us agreed that he was never going to retire. This was his baby that he put everything into the WWE, previously F. Talk about not being a good person. Vince McMahon effectively destroyed all the territory wrestling that I grew up on. When he bought the promotion from his father, he then went in and started trying to buy the other promotions. And those that wouldn't buy, he went to the television stations and threatened them. And then he started the pay-per-views basically said, if you try to show other people's pay-per-views, I won't let you show mine. Just not a good guy, folks. (laughs) We can't impress that enough. Now he's gone. It was very strange. I'm retired. That was his tweet. I'm retired. Thanks for the memories. I think there's one picture of him floating around of of the last several months because he he left, what, in in June, I guess it was? Shortly after uh, WrestleMania, I think. You brought up the whole uh, kind of like the one last hurrah where he came out on Monday Night Raw to um, introduce it. I could only imagine their HR team and PR team in the middle of this blowing up, thinking, you know, are we, he's going to step away, you know, moving things around, only for him to come out and just one last welcome to Monday Night Raw. And I, I could see them just be like, oh, like, like, what is going on? You're supposed to be stepping away and. I can't remember how long they said it was that it had been since he came out to open a Monday Night Raw, and he chooses that time of all times to do it. Do you guys think, as the dust has settled, they have come out and said the investigation is done? Basically, where I understand it is that he could return. Said he's not. He's out altogether. He's not doing anything creative or anything else. So let's say he just stays retired under the radar. Do you think he goes into the WWE Hall of Fame next year? Probably not next year. I think it's too soon. You know, they say, you know, time heals wounds. Not saying what he did is going to ever be healed by who he affected. On the other side, I mean, you know, there's all the controversy with Hulk Hogan, him being in the Hall of Fame. So it's kind of the right thing would be no, he's not ever. But then on the other hand, it would be hard to tell the guy who created the whole company no, you can't be in your Hall of Fame. So I am glad I am not a part of that decision-making, a part of that board, a part of anything of that, because I can only imagine just, because we know Vince is a very strong-willed personality, and I don't think he would take no for an answer. So I'm glad I'm not a part, or will ever be a part of that conversation. Yeah, that's an interesting question, John. I think just with context, you know, this Hall of Fame is not like the Baseball Hall of Fame or the Hall of Fame of Ken, Ohio, for NFL. It's truly just a marketing gimmick WWE has used to push WrestleMania. People being in their Hall of Fame is the equivalent of maybe me and you being in their Hall of Fame. Could happen. Just as wrestling fans, it could happen. If it makes them money, it could happen. Chris had a great point. In wrestling, you never say never. 
people who've had the worst flooding of heads and they've left on the worst possible terms almost always come back. That being said, next year is, is too soon. Probably within the next five years, I could see it happening strictly as a, as a money-making, pushing it next type of thing. I wouldn't agree with it on a personal level, but, you know, business is not always about that, right? It's about what's going to make us money at the end of the day. I think it's interesting to note the only person that I'm aware of that the WWE has entirely distanced themselves from is Chris Benoit. For those of you who aren't aware, Chris Benoit was a wrestler in WWE and WCW that basically snapped and killed his wife and his son and then himself. I remember vividly when that happened because I was a big Chris Benoit fan. He was a tremendous in-ring performer. There's a lot of question as to CTE and literally what kind of brain damage he may have had from so many. He took a, he did a lot of really rough things to his body. Does not negate that he did a horrible thing, but it's interesting that he seems to be the only person that they have forgotten or don't want to claim. They've had some bad people. Pete Rose. Pete Rose can't get into his Hall of Fame, but he can get into the WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame, lest we forget uh, a former president. And uh, I won't name the former president, <laughs> is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Great point. Uh, but what's uh, former presidents have to do with wrestling? Nothing. But it made them money at the time. And that's a good point, Jonathan. Only Chris Benoit. Speaking of making money, the other big item that came up this year was with AEW, the other promotion we've talked a little bit about. Tony Khan, who owns AEW, the son of Shad Khan, who is a billionaire. Shad Khan owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, an English Premier League soccer team, football team, for those of you overseas. They got a lot of money. Tony Khan grew up a big wrestling fan, got to be friends with a lot of the wrestlers that are now that kind of helped start AEW. We mentioned WWE wrestlers, those that are in-ring performers, are 1099 employees. They don't have any benefits. They get what they get. It's always been a big bone of contention. There was a time unionizations come up several times. And I think maybe, Paul, we talked a little bit about it at one point when Andrew Yang was running for president. When he realized he wasn't going to become president and he maybe he could get on Biden's cabinet, he started pushing for the labor secretary job. And that was one of his primary things was to go after WWE to unionize. Tony Khan, on the other hand, with AEW, all his performers are payroll employees. They're all on salary and benefits and everything else. One of his big pay-per-views, quarterly pay-per-views back in, I guess, what was it September? Late August, early September. The big match at the end of that event was a wrestler by the name of CM Punk. Punk came out of WWE, went into MMA for a while, and then he took, what, seven years off, right? That he was gone from wrestling altogether. Last year, Tony Khan made the major coup of getting CM Punk back into wrestling. Puts together a real solid year in terms of performing, gets injured, is out a little bit, and then he comes back at the all-out pay-per-view and wins the world championship. He's now the biggest wrestler in the promotion. Tony Khan does an interesting thing in that he does what they call a scrum after each event. Press gets together. They interview those people that are the champions. Apparently, CM Punk was not happy about a lot of things and decided to voice all of his frustration very candidly. Tony Khan, the CEO and owner of the organization, sitting next to him. I'm not going to repeat what he said here, but he said some really unkind things about a lot of people. It personally entertained me because I think it's kind of funny. Basically, what he ended up saying at the end was, if you don't like what I said, come see me. Come find me and we'll have a conversation. Understand this is after the pay-per-view. He's apparently injured. He got injured during the pay-per-view. He's grumpy. He's eating muffins. It was a show. CM Punk leaves the press scrum and goes to his locker room. That's where the fun starts, everybody. Several people, 
that were executives in this organization, three executives and the chief legal officer, basically the number two person in the company, at least the four of them go to CM Punk's locker room. CM Punk is there, his dog is there, his friend, who's another former wrestler and was on the payroll, is there with his wife. So there's at least three people and a dog in this room. And that's where everything is very unclear. Nobody knows exactly what happened. There was some kind of fight. To the minimum that we know that one of the VPs, one of the, the young bucks, one of the wrestlers, again, an executive in the company as well, got hit with a chair. I'm trying I want to make sure I get all this stuff right, guys, because it's well, one got hit with a chair, and I believe a person bit Kenny Omega, who's another one of the wrestlers, but also a also a, a vice president of the company. Stay with me, folks. He got bit by another human being and not the dog. <laughs> So, he was trying to save the dog, at least. I thought it was ironic that he got bit by the human and not the dog. All this stuff is kind of brewing. And oh, by the way, the press conference is still going on. While people are talking in the press conference, you can see security running past in videos of, of the event, running to what's go- to the commotion going on in the back. Tony Khan, after the press scrum, everybody knows something happened. There was a fight. Somebody got in there. Their story was people got knocked out, bitten, all these crazy things happened. Everybody got suspended. Go home. We're going to investigate. Things are very, very murky. What we, the three of us on this in this conversation, we're just kind of what we've read, what we've heard on podcasts. Nobody's entirely clear what happened. We believe that a third-party investigator was brought in to talk to the people that were in the room where this event occurred. That was two months ago. As of the pay-per-view last night that Paul mentioned he watched, the three executives that were also wrestlers we're back for the first time in, what, two and a half months? CM Punk, no one knows what's happened to CM Punk. He's not performing. The story is he is injured legitimately, and no one knows because he's not said anything. The story for us and the reason we wanted to talk about this is it's a mess. And as an HR professional, how would you go about methodically working through this to make sure that you figure out what's accurate? Because let's face it, all of them are going to have a story, and it's probably going to be different. Chris, how do you think you would approach that? It's a nightmare situation. So you, <laughs> as you alluded to, you have CM Punk sitting next to the CEO, and he is just ripping the company a new one. And the CEO is just sitting there letting it go. Doesn't try to interject. And nodding. Often nodding. Yes, right. Doesn't try to interject. Doesn't try to, well, maybe you're wrong or you're wrong. You're lawful. Shut him up. <laughs> right. Nothing. Like you said, he's just sitting there nodding, just like, yep. Like he, he's the child and CM Punk's the dad, just like disciplining him verbally. Like he's just sitting there. When I first saw that video, I'm like, okay, this is part of the show, you know, nothing new. But then as you hear more and more, you're like, okay, this is way deeper. There is something that's going on. And what blows my mind is in the world that we live in now, not one cell phone video, picture, security there's nothing of it. And then there were stories of it was in the locker room. It was in the back area, like where it actually happened. There's a lot of information that contradicts the other. It's weird that it's taken this long to conduct an investigation. It's especially if they brought in a third party whose job it is to conduct the investigation. I don't think they want to drag this out for long. I know one of the people that were supposedly in this ordeal didn't get interviewed at all or as of yet. Because, again, we, we haven't heard any kind of finalization of what happened, the disciplines, other than people being suspended and one person being fired. 
I know, Paul, you shared on Twitter a while ago a, a, a fan holding a sign that um, I forget exactly verbatim, but AEW needs HR or needs a new HR general. Like, and they do because it just seems like there is no HR in there. They're just kind of like, well, let me Google what we should do and we'll try that. And then they forget about it and they move on. And so I'm interested to see what actually does come of it. I know in the investigations I've done, obviously not as big and polarizing. It doesn't take two and a half, three months, four months to have an ongoing investigation on a small group of people. Unless there's something much, much bigger that we don't know about that came to light. It's an odd situation. It's odd that CM Punk has gone completely just off the grid. No one's heard or seen of him. Like you said, you factor in, you have these executive level people that are also performers in the mix. And with Tony Khan, he seems like the guy that wants to make friends and be friendly. And if these are his friends that he brought in to help start the company and run the company, maybe there's that's why it's taking so long. He's trying to find a way to keep them from getting any sort of dirt coming up on them to where he has no other choice but to let them go. So, yeah, just a really sticky situation, especially with the whole friend environment and what we talked about earlier. All these people are W-2 worker so you have that in the mix um, instead of having them being the contractors to where you could easily cut ties and move on you said something interesting again that i think it just ties back to this idea of blended realities right Mm -hmm. chris i shared your exact first reaction when i saw that press conference with cm punk and tony Khan sitting there and there was the all these rumors of a backroom brawl is this part of the storyline (laughs) <laughs> you know, that was my first reaction. What's going on here? Because Tony Khan likes to blend, you know, the storyline with real life. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure that out. And then when you you learn more and more that, no, this actually is not part of the storyline at all. And it was a huge, real brawl that happened. You start going into, how messed up is that back room right now? Where is their HR? What's going on? Just fascinating stuff. I mean, from my perspective, maybe... Uh, sad in some ways, but just truly fascinating. We're not necessarily privy to an investigation, just, you know, just as if we were doing investigations in our businesses, we're not going to share it with the world. However, it appears, I guess that's one of the interesting things here too, is that they haven't been transparent. Their business is a bit different than what any three of us do. There is this veil of blurring reality and what have you. It behooves them to say something, particularly when three of the performers have come back. One is persona non grata, basically removed from images and everything else of him is gone, but they've never said, oh, he's done. He's gone. I can't reiterate this enough for those of you who are listening. When you're doing an investigation. The story is such that what everyone is being told is that not everyone was interviewed that was in that locker room that witnessed what happened. I just do not understand how a credible investigator wouldn't talk to every single person. You wouldn't talk to the dog, but you talk to everybody else. It's all hearsay and what we've heard. It's a very telling story. And I also think it goes, Paul, to your point, there's probably a lot more going on. It's nice to be friendly, but you can't be everybody's friend. And as a leader, you got you have to know the difference. Surround yourself with people that also understand that so they can take care of stuff. I know he started to make some hires of people that have been in the industry for some time that maybe they can help address some of those things get some of that stuff squared away. These two stories between Vince McMahon and now with CM Punk, very, very interesting things that are not storylines. These things are real. We all might deal with some type of, maybe not as extreme, but a version of them somewhere in our careers as practitioners. 
kind of going along with that with the whole Tony Khan just kind of sitting there letting CM Punk destroy him and the company. We saw that last night after the pay-per-view. MJF comes in and just goes on a three-minute rant. And Tony Khan just sits there, lets him interrupt, lets him talk his talk. And then he walks out and Tony Khan just goes back to as if nothing ever happened. It's a very fascinating dynamic of what is going on and how, if this is all real, how he's running the company. Thankfully, though, MJF didn't come in and say, if you don't like what I say, come find me and we'll talk about it. <laughs> so, you know, he told everybody what they could do and just walked away as opposed to, if you don't like it, come find me and we'll talk more. <laughs> I think that's the one smart thing he didn't do. <laughs> well, on that note, as we're looking into the new year for 2023, what's everybody thinking about and looking forward to in professional wrestling next year? Hopefully a little less drama outside the <laughs> ring, but I open it up to the group. I'm looking forward to this new MJF era. Now that he has gotten the belt, he's going to get more airtime. He's going to be more out there just to see the kind of promos he cuts, who the next M line is going to be. Obviously CM Punk's out. I doubt him and Mox will have a rematch anytime soon. So it'd be interesting to see who the next in line for him is going to be. And just that build up between those two. Uh, the other thing I'm really looking forward to, not that I'm not a football fan, love football, but waiting for college football to get over. So uh, we can get Pat McAfee back on SmackDown. Just the energy he brings oh, yeah. um, on the mic is phenomenal. Uh, he brings back a lot of those catchphrases from the nineties, and early 2000 ties it in with what's going on currently when he gets in the ring, he is for not being a wrestler all the time. He's top-notch, so it'll be interesting to see him on the mic and in the ring as well. And then hopefully we see this trend to where the WWE gets better storylines coming along and brings up the younger folk. I don't know about you guys. I'm tired of seeing those old retired and then re-retired Goldberg, John Cena coming into a WrestleMania, doing a okay match, and then... That's one whole match that just kind of tarnishes the pay-per-view. It seems like Vince made sure that there are not characters of a Stone Cold, The Rock, Goldberg even, of that caliber, and the Heat, or John Cena. There are tremendously talented people there that are four or five, maybe ten years into the business. They're not given the same opportunities to really shine. And I think that's the frustrating thing is WWE is more important than any performer. I think he learned from The Rock and Stone Cold. I can't have people that are bigger than my promotion. So it'll be interesting to see what Triple H does there. As I've talked about a lot, and anybody who follows me on Twitter, I love stardom, Japanese women's promotion. The storytelling for someone that doesn't speak Japanese, I don't have to. I can watch it. And the good and the bad, it makes sense. The storytelling makes sense. Travel restrictions from Japan were just lifted in the last week. We're going to see performers traveling more. And I think that stardom... The way it is positioned and associated with New Japan Pro Wrestling, I think some of the wrestlers there are going to just take off. In the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the top 150 wrestlers in the world, women wrestlers, three of them in the top 10 were stardom performers. And that's never happened. I don't believe there's ever been a Japanese woman number one, and this year it was Shuri, who's one of my favorites, who is a legit MMA fighter, comes from that background. Three of the top 10 were from stardom. They just did stardom New Japan crossover They brought three wrestlers to the States to perform in New York. I'm just really excited about the future of stardom. And they can get an English-speaking commentator deal for their pay-per-views. It'll set them up. Paul, what about you? What are you excited about? No, there's quite a bit to piggyback off what Chris said. I'm really looking forward to the MJF era 
in post-CM Punk experiment AEW. Just as much to see where AEW goes after their turmoil this past quarter is uh, Ring of Honor. You know, uh, Ring of Honor was an upstart promotion a couple decades ago. Tony Khan bought them last year. And there's been a lot of crossover with Ring of Honor and AEW folks. Yesterday at the Post Media Scrum, Khan was talking a lot about giving Ring of Honor some shine, getting them on TV, giving them a weekly show. He just doesn't know where it's going to go yet. Talked about YouTube a little bit, but he thinks they're more deserving of than just being on YouTube. Coupled with having at least three Ring of Honor pay-per-views a year. I think I'm really excited about those things. And then yesterday it was announced that, John, uh, I think going off of what you said with uh, some of the, the Japanese lifting restrictions on travel, that Kenny Omega is going to fight with Will Ospreay in New Japan Pro Wrestling's version of their WrestleMania, which is called Wrestle Kingdom 17. And for anybody that knows anything about Kenny Omega and his showmanship and Will Ospreay, I don't even know how to describe them, quite honestly. When they're in the ring together, it is a show. So to see Kenny Omega go back to New Japan pro wrestling and, and face off with Will Ospreay is going to be phenomenal. Those are what I'm most looking forward to in 2023. I'm really glad we were able to make this conversation happen. Paul, I'm glad we talked to this before and that we decided to do it again. Chris, I'm really glad that you've been part of the HR Marks group on Twitter and that you were able to join us today to talk even more about it. I'm hoping that people maybe learn a little bit new about wrestling, but also found some things that maybe they can apply to, to what they do in our day jobs. Now, I know most of our listeners are probably following you all already, but if they're not, Chris, what's the best way to get in touch? As always, awesome to talk with you and Paul. Um, I do have to plug Paul's HR is professional wrestling blog that he wrote. I know you talked about the first podcast, but for anyone who didn't hear it or is new. Not only does it give a great explanation of all these wrestling terms and uh, the backstories and things of that, the way that Paul, you were able to tie in wrestling and HR and have it make sense. I think anyone who's not a wrestling fan or uh, is in HR and kind of wants to see how the two uh, intermingle, it's written beautifully. So highly recommend. Uh, but as far as um, getting a hold of me, anything uh, besides Twitter, I am at the real Gappa um, on Twitter. Just First and last name, you should be able to find me. We'll have that in the show notes. I'll link that in there, too, as far as that article. Because, yeah, it's, it is tremendous. And part of the reason that Paul and I had the initial conversation. Having said that, Paul, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Chris, thank you for that. That means a lot. You can find uh, all your listeners can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter at HRPaul49. Just want to remind everybody, don't forget about the HR Social Hour chat on Twitter, the second and fourth Sundays of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern. John, what about you? Well, once again, thanks to Talent Magnet Institute and Mike Sipple Jr. for sponsoring December. It's hard to believe we're wrapping up the show in just a few episodes. We really do appreciate Mike and his team being back with us for the end here. As for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, and follow. If you're not following, you're not going to get those new episodes as they become available. So be sure to check that out. Uh, international listeners, I'd love to talk international wrestling with you. Paul and Chris would as well. So feel free to reach out. It won't be for the show necessarily. Always happy to have those conversations. And you're always more than welcome to join us for the chats too. Again, guys, really appreciate you making time and being the HR marks that we are. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Paul. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. Take care, everybody. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.